situated in the Fertile Crescent along the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. Ancient Babylon has played a pivotal role in world history for thousands of years. Weaving throughout the Bible, both its history and future are referenced over 240 times throughout the scriptures. Although ancient Babylon is nowhere near the mighty power she once was, as we'll see today, Babylon will rise again. You are listening to the Tove Podcast. Welcome to the Tove Podcast. My name is Levi Hazen. I have the privilege of being your host for today, as well as serving as the executive director of Life and Messiah International. For over 135 years, Life and Messiah staff have been faithfully proclaiming the good news of the Jewish Messiah, that's Jesus, to his people all over the globe. You can learn more about the wonderful work that God is doing through our staff by visiting us on the web at lifeinmessiah.org. Well, our topic of study today is the rise and fall of future Babylon. There's no shortage of articles, books, and commentary on this ancient city. Babylon's history is well known from both the biblical record as well as outside sources. Archaeologists have unearthed the ruins of enormous temples, texts, pottery, and palaces. Although the study of ancient Babylon is fascinating and worthy of our time, today's study is not about the past. Rather, in this two-part series, we'll investigate the Bible's teaching for information about Babylon's future. By carefully examining several Bible passages in their context, it'll be clear that Babylon will not only come to prominence again as an important capital city, but she will also fall, never to rise again. Our first text to examine for information about future Babylon is the fifth chapter of Zechariah, verses 5 through 11. In Zechariah chapter 5, we see that Babylon will rise again. Here's verses 5 through 11. Quote, Then the angel who was speaking with me came forward and told me, Look up and see what this is that is approaching. So I asked, What is it? He responded, It's a measuring basket that is approaching. And he continued, This is their iniquity in all the land. Then a lead cover was lifted, and there was a woman sitting inside the basket. This is wickedness, he said. He shoved her down into the basket and pushed the lead weight over its opening. Then I looked up and saw two women approaching with the wind in their wings. Their wings were like those of a stork, and they lifted up the basket between earth and sky. So I asked the angel who was speaking with me, Where are they taking the basket? Verse 11, To build a shrine for it in the land of Shinar, he told me. When that is ready, the basket will be placed there on its pedestal. End quote. 
Now, we must say this is a unique vision that Zechariah receives about a woman in a basket. Commenting on this passage in his book, Footsteps of the Messiah, Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum notes the following, quote, The ephah was a standard measure of weight and became the symbol of economy. This symbol of economy, in this case, a corrupted one, as seen with the addition of lead, gives a false measure. Furthermore, it was to be placed in the land of Shinar, which is the same as Babylonia, or Babylon. Hence, the future center of world economy will be the rebuilt city of Babylon. Throughout the second half of the tribulation, Babylon will be both the center of world economy and the world political center. End quote. Now there, as well as other passages, we see that Babylon will rise once again to become a major city with influence. In future passages that we'll see, we'll see the reason for its rise is because the future Antichrist makes Babylon his capital city. It is for this reason, the fact that the Antichrist has made it his home base, that God proposes to destroy the city with his wrath. Our second passage for study today is the 13th chapter of Isaiah. Isaiah compiled his book around 700 B.C. Although some of what Isaiah wrote has come to pass, many of the prophet's predictions await a yet future fulfillment. The context of Isaiah 13 seems to be eschatological. That's a fancy theological term, meaning that it's set in the future day of the Lord. The Moody Bible Commentary provides several reasons why the events in Isaiah 13 are likely set in the future and have not already been fulfilled. The first reason is that Babylon's defeat is said to be, quote, in the day of the Lord. As mentioned previously on the Tove podcast, the phrase, the day of the Lord, is an eschatological phrase that refers to the future tribulation period. Second, and this is a simple observation, no historical destruction has ever taken place like the one we're about to read in Isaiah 13. Or, for that matter, from Jeremiah 50 or 51, or from the book of Revelation chapters 17 and 18. Finally, Babylon's destruction is said to coincide with Israel's end times restoration to the Lord and their ancient homeland. These events have not yet transpired. Keeping these things in mind, let's explore the chapter. In verses 1 through 6 of Isaiah 13, we will see the gathering of armies for the purpose of Babylon's destruction. Here are verses 1 through 6, quote, An oracle against Babylon that Isaiah son of Amos saw. Lift up a banner on a barren mountain. Call out to them. Wave your hand, and they will go through the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my chosen ones. I have also called my warriors, who exult in my triumph to execute my wrath. Listen, a tumult on the mountains, like that of a mighty people. Listen, an uproar among the kingdoms, like nations being gathered together. The Lord of hosts is mobilizing an army for war. They are coming from a far land, from the distant horizon, the Lord and the weapons of his wrath, to destroy the whole country. 
wail, for the day of the Lord is near. It'll come like destruction from the Almighty. End quote. Now, there are several observations we can make from the information gleaned from verses 1 through 6. Our first observation is that this oracle, or prophecy, is against Babylon. There's no textual reason to view Isaiah's reference to Babylon as being to anywhere or about anyone than actual Babylon. Ancient Babylon is located in today's modern Iraq, about 50 miles south of Baghdad. Our second observation is that people from the nations are being mobilized against Babylon. These people from the nations are described as God's chosen ones, his warriors, and an army. Our third observation is that God is the one who's doing the mobilizing of these people for his purposes. Verse 3 says, I've commanded my chosen ones. I've called out my warriors who exult in my triumph to execute my wrath. Verse 4 says, The Lord of hosts, or armies, is mobilizing an army for war. And verse 5 says, The Lord and the weapons of his wrath. You see, God has decided to punish Babylon. What will the final outcome be? Well, that leads us to our fourth observation. The answer is found at the end of verse 5, quote, to destroy the whole country. Now, the extent of that destruction is also described a little later, and the description of the destruction is one of the reasons we know that Isaiah's prophecy is yet future. Our fifth observation has to do with the timing of this future mobilization and invasion. Verse 6 is clear. Wail, for the day of the Lord is near. It'll come like destruction from the Almighty. Here, we see the context of Isaiah's prophecy is the day of the Lord. This places it in the future. We will also see additional descriptions as our study unfolds that make it even clearer that the invasion and destruction described by multiple biblical authors has not yet happened. Verses 7-16 through 16 provide more insight as to the horrific nature and scale of what is coming for Babylon and the world at large. First, verses 7-9 through 9 say the following, quote, Therefore everyone's hands will become weak, and every man's heart will melt. They'll be horrified, pain and agony will seize them, they'll be in anguish like a woman in labor. They will look at each other, their faces flushed with fear. Look, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel with rage and burning anger, to make the earth a desolation and to destroy the sinners on it. End quote. From these three verses, we observe that mankind will suffer tremendously from pain and agony. We see from verse 9 that one of the purposes of the day of the Lord is to make the earth desolate and to destroy sinners on it. Now we arrive at verse 10. And this is just one of the verses that point to the timing of this event as being yet future. Verse 10 says, quote, Indeed, the stars of the sky and its constellations will not give their light. The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will not shine. Essentially, what is being described here is a blackout. No sunlight, no stars at night, no moonlight. We are not told how long this blackout will last. 
Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum, in his book, Footsteps of Messiah, notes that scriptures teach there'll be five separate blackouts in the future. Perhaps at some point, we'll devote a whole podcast to these five future blackouts. But for now, I just want to point out that the book of Revelation, chapter 16, also speaks of a blackout. In verses 10 to 11, we read the following, quote, The fifth poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues because of their pain, and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. Yet they did not repent of their actions. End quote. Now, could it be that this is the same blackout described in Revelation chapter 16 as the one being described here in Isaiah 13? If so, we just learned something about future Babylon. Verse 10 tells us that this judgment was poured out on the throne of the beast and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. Could it be that the future beast, who is the Antichrist, will make Babylon the capital of his future kingdom? And if that's the case, are there other passages that clearly teach this? We'll get to those matters a bit later. But for now, it's time for a break on the Tove podcast. When we come back, we'll continue exploring the rise and fall of future Babylon. Since 1887, Life in Messiah has helped Christians understand the Jewish roots of our faith and God's ongoing commitment to His people. We teach that anti-Semitism is inconsistent with biblical faith, and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, which includes her spiritual renewal as well as physical safety. In all we do, our priority is to share the gospel message. Connect with us at lifeinmessiah.org. That's lifeinmessiah.org. Welcome back to the Tove Podcast. We are exploring the scriptures for insights into the rise and fall of future Babylon. We've already looked at Zechariah chapter 5 and his vision of a woman in the basket. Now we're walking verse by verse through Isaiah 13. We're ready for verses 11 through 13, which continue to describe what is happening as a global event. Verses 11 through 13 say the following, quote, I will bring disaster on the world and their own iniquity on the wicked. I will put an end to the pride of the arrogant and humiliate the insolence of tyrants. I will make man scarcer than gold and mankind more rare than the gold of Ophir. Therefore, I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will shake from its foundations at the wrath of the Lord of hosts on the day of his burning anger. We can clearly see there that the tribulation period is a time of worldwide judgment. Verse 12 says that God will make man scarcer than gold, that the heavens are going to tremble and the earth will shake from its foundations. You know, up till now, the world has experienced some pretty dark times. We've been through a couple different world wars, There's been regional wars. There's been pandemics that have killed millions and millions of people. But there will be nothing like the future tribulation period. Let's keep reading about this 
worldwide description in verse 14. Like wandering gazelles and like sheep without a shepherd, each one will turn to his own people, each one will flee to his own land. Whoever is found will be stabbed and whoever is caught will die by the sword. Their children will be smashed to death before their eyes, their houses will be looted, and their wives raped. Now, Verse 17 is one verse that people use to try and place this global yet future event back in the past and say that Isaiah chapter 13 is already fulfilled. Now, why might that happen? Well, because the ancient Babylonian kingdom fell to the Medes around 539 BC. However, unlike the description provided here, it should be noted that Babylon actually fell quite peacefully to the Medes. There was nothing like the destruction and after-effects described in Isaiah 13. The Moody Bible Commentary notes the following about Babylon's downfall in 539 B.C. Quote, Having lost a brief skirmish outside the walls of Babylon, Belshazzar had retreated to the city and made light of the coming Persian siege. The Babylonians had 20 years of provisions, and the city was a seemingly impregnable fortress. Nevertheless, Darius, the king of the Persian Empire, diverted the waters of the Euphrates and entered below the water gates. He took the city that same night without a battle and killed Belshazzar. Xenophon noted that the city fell while the Babylonians were in the midst of a drunken feast. End quote. You see, verse 17 says, Look, I am stirring up the Medes against them. That's against the Babylonians, against Babylon. I'm stirring up the Medes against them, who cannot be bought off with silver and who have no desire for gold. Now, that's verse 17. And because it says that God is stirring up the Medes against them, people assume that this must be already fulfilled because Babylon fell to the Medes in 539 B.C. However, from both the historical record and the biblical text, we can see that Isaiah's description of Babylon's future is yet to come. After all, verse 19 continues the description and says, And Babylon, the jewel of the kingdoms, the glory of the pride of the Chaldeans, will be like Sodom and Gomorrah when God overthrew them. It'll never be inhabited or lived in from generation to generation. A nomad will not pitch his tent there, and shepherds will not let their flocks rest there. But desert creatures will lie down there, and owls will fill the houses, ostriches will dwell there, and wild goats will leap about. Hyenas will howl in the fortresses, and jackals in the luxurious palaces. Babylon's time is almost up. Her days are almost over. You see, according to Isaiah's description in chapter 13, there will come a day when Babylon is completely devoid of people. Only animals will live there. Babylon may become one of the world's biggest animal sanctuaries after God is through with it. So, is that the case today? Do people live in Babylon? Well, a quick search on Google tells us that not only is Babylon not an animal sanctuary today, filled with ostriches, hyenas, and jackals, but there are plenty of people living in the vicinity. For example, the exact location of Nebuchadnezzar's palace is 3.1 miles from the Iraqi city of Hilla. Hilla 
boasts a population greater than 300,000 people. Yes, it's true the palaces of the Babylonian kings are nothing but an archaeological site today where people can visit, but new development is booming around what is left of the city. But we have one final passage that places this destruction of Babylon as a future event. And that is the next few verses heading in to Isaiah chapter 14. It says this, For the Lord will have compassion on Jacob and will choose Israel again. He will settle them on their own land. The foreigner will join them and be united with the house of Jacob. The nations will escort Israel and bring it to its homeland. Then the house of Israel will possess them as male and female slaves in the Lord's land. They will make captives of their captors and will rule over their oppressors. End quote. You see, right after describing the future destruction of Babylon, Isaiah goes into Israel's return return to the Lord on a spiritual level, and return to the land on a physical level. That's the context of Babylon's destruction as well. Just as Israel's return to the Lord and land is set in the eschatological end of days, so the same is true with Babylon. It is clear from the worldwide descriptions of this wrath being poured out on the future city, that we aren't talking about a peaceful downfall of the city of Babylon in 539 B.C. Rather, we're talking about the rise and future fall of a future Babylon. We're out of time today on this first of a two-part series on the rise and fall of future Babylon. Next week... We hope to explore Jeremiah chapters 50 and 51, as well as the book of Revelation chapters 17 and 18. All of those passages provide more insight and detail as to the nature of the future Babylon. Thank you so much for joining us on the Tove Podcast. You can find other episodes at lifeandmessiah.org or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Until next time, Shalom.